101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. If it's passed, bounced, or hit, we're talking about it. All Sports Talk is on News Radio WGNS. All Sports Talk is sponsored by Good Neighbor State Farm agents Andy Womack, Bud Morris, and Deb Ensel. Chip Walters with Exit Realty, Bob Lamb & Associates. Jennings and Ayers Funeral Home, helping families since 1880. First Bank, serving Murfreesboro, Smyrna, and all of Rutherford County. Parks Auction Company, committed to auction excellence. Creekside at Three Rivers Assisted Living. Greg Hall with Hall's Auto Care. And the Blue Raider Insider Report, sponsored by Mike Tanzel at My Team Insurance. Steve Ruckert with RAI Advisors. And Wayne Blair with Rayburn Insurance. We put the all in all sports talk. From the preps to MTSU, we've got you covered. It's all sports talk on Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to All Sports Talk. A blistering Wednesday here in Murfreesboro. And looks like it'll be that way tomorrow as well. Maybe a little relief in sight at the end. Won't only be by end of the week. Probably only be 93, so... Anyway, <laughs> it's going to be hot, hot, hot. Hey, today we're going to be joined by Diane Turnham. Um, she's the Senior Women's uh, Associate uh, Head Athlete. I can't even get her title right. She's a, <laughs> she, Nobody she, can. It's a long She's one. big time in charge over at MTSU. Let's put it that way. And, you know, deals, you know, predominantly with women's sports, but other things as well. And, uh coach as i always call you coach thanks for joining us as always well monty it's my pleasure it's always great to talk to you and uh, all of our fans about a little blue raider athletics yes absolutely and speaking of that um uh you know you were a you were a college athlete and then of course came here as an assistant coach but you know when we hear title nine um Title IX isn't just about sports. The the sports side of it is just kind of an offshoot, isn't it? You know, it really is, Monty. Uh, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be on the Women's Volleyball Committee as the chair uh, the year that Title IX turned 40. And the uh, Final Four was at uh, Louisville that year, and Julie Herman, who was uh, an associate AD up there, brought in the the woman who put forth the legislation for title nine and we brought her in to speak to all the athletes at the final four and the most amazing thing she was such a sweet lady and she said you know i i never dreamed that it would have any effect on athletics we were just upset that uh the women in our department did not get promoted for tenure at the same level of the men's uh professors and so we put this forward and I never even thought about athletics, and we're th- we were just smiling because we're thinking, "Oh my goodness, you know what? A, what an incredible thing for someone who didn't even really understand the the entire magnitude of what she was doing." But but thank goodness she she stood up and said, "Hey, it needs to be equal," and it, it helped in so many different areas. Now, in its premise, is Title IX give um, young women, uh, I guess equal opportunity to play college sports, to get scholarships uh, in college sports. Is that kind of the gist of it? Well, basically it just says that, that no 
individual uh, on the basis of sex, race, several different areas can be discriminated against and should have all equal opportunities. And, uh, and so, you know, when you stop and you start thinking about what that could affect, um, you know, no person should be discriminated against. We know that. And then when you think about how uh, some of our, our women's programs back there did not, uh, number one, didn't really totally have organized sports. They certainly uh, didn't have uh, specified coaches. They didn't have a place to practice. They didn't have a budget. They didn't have scholarship. They didn't have, you know, any of the things that a lot of the male counterparts had that were playing sports at that time. And so it covers about 14 different things um, that, that you should have access to. That, that includes athletic training. That includes academic tutoring. That includes, you know, budgets, uh, the ability to travel at the same uh, type of transportation, the ability to practice in similar facilities at like hours. I mean, it's just amazing when you stop and look at it to see all the different things that it did affect in college athletics. But first and foremost, yes, it was scholarships and actually organized teams. And so that was one of the most exciting things because if you look at MTSU in the late 60s, early 70s, well, no no uh, organized teams were there. Uh, in fact, uh, Dr. Sandy Neal, who uh, was our first scholarship athlete at MTSU, was uh, you know playing tennis, but they had no scholarships. And so she and a couple of basketball athletes were the first ever to receive a scholarship back in 1972 at MTSU. Yeah, and um, you know that certainly a trailblazer. And you know. Um, you know, I, I still don't think maybe some things still aren't where they should be, but uh, in you know, in a fifty-year span, it's 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 night and day now. You know, we were we were talking about that that many of the athletes that that heard uh, the woman talk about starting Title IX were already even ten years ago completely benefiting from what she did. I mean, they had a full scholarship. They you know they didn't realize there were times people didn't have full scholarships. Uh, they had, you know, athletic trainers. They had academic tutoring. They had the same equipment. They had uh, so many things that I, I don't want to say they took for granted, but they just kind of probably thought it was always that way. They never had to buy their own tennis shoes and their own practice clothes and pile in a station wagon and go to some other university to play a game that really wasn't even sanctioned. Uh, and you look back, uh, you know, I went to the Ohio Valley Conference uh, 50th anniversary of Title IX luncheon associated with their spring meetings a couple of weeks ago and got to see some old friends. And one of those was Mary Nell Metters, who uh, was at Tennessee Tech for so many years. And a lot of people may not know it, but she went to school at Middle Tennessee State. And she was one of those people that played without a scholarship. Uh, and she and Sue Gunner who was a very well-known coach at LSU for so many years. They both are Middle Tennessee State graduates, and they went on to start women's programs at other institutions. And when you stop and you think about all the things they did to blaze that trail, it's just amazing to, to think about their dedication uh, and, and their desire to make sure everyone, not only themselves, but everyone else had the opportunity to play 
college athletics uh, at, at a higher level. And so that's pretty exciting to see. You know, the rivalry in me hates to give Tennessee Tech credit for anything, but give, ten- <laughs> I know, give, give Tennessee Tech credit. that they, and they were one of the, as far as teams, programs, they were a big-name program in the infancy years of women's basketball. And I know uh, at one time forever, they were in the top 20 in victories in America. Right. Well, you know, Monty, I, and I don't, you know, I don't think of myself as a dinosaur. Well, sometimes I do, but I, I graduated in the uh, late 70s. And if you uh, wanted to play college basketball, there were not many choices. And the top choices were uh, Belmont under coach uh, Betty Wiseman. Uh, we got to go to her camps, and, and she ran a great program at Belmont, uh, Tennessee Tech with Mary Nell Metters. Even Pat uh, Summit at that time had just started, so Tennessee was not really uh, a huge program at the time. And then a lot of people laugh when I say this, but the Wayland Baptist Flying Queens were also a big team back then. and We didn't play in the NCAA. We were back still in the AIAW. In fact, I think I played in one of the last AIAW tournaments uh, at Lipscomb in 1980. So I think right after that is when the NCAA picked up women's sports and went, hey, maybe this is going to stick around. Let's let's do some women's sports. And so it was an exciting time. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, you get softball became big. And, then, you know, of course, volleyball. Um, and then soccer came around. uh of course, track and field. I mean, there's it, it, it created so many opportunities that in all those previous years, you know, uh, young girls never had a chance. You know, that's so true. I mean, I, I remember at Mount Juliet, I played for Coach Larry Joe Inman, and we had basketball, and that was pretty much it. And he, we laughed because he started a track program to keep us in shape when we weren't in basketball season. And, uh, you know, several of our basketball athletes broke records in the NIL back in the old Nashville League uh, with our track program. And he started that, you know, just to keep us uh, moving and in shape. And it it was so much fun. Uh, And, you know, you you talk about other sports, the ones you just mentioned, there was was some softball, but most of that was a summer league. There was no tennis. There was no volleyball. Uh, I never had the opportunity to play volleyball. I loved the sport, but I never had that opportunity. And then Lo and behold, uh, Coach Jimmy Earl hires me to come to Middle Tennessee State to be the first full-time assistant women's basketball coach, and he lets me coach volleyball, a, a sport I'd never played. And, and you can remember that well with us uh, sharing some practice time back in those good old days. There were some lean years, and, and I was just excited to get my volleyball athletes some of the same opportunities our women's basketball team had back then, let alone – uh, some of the benefits that uh, our men's sports had. We're joined today by Diane Turnham, Senior Associate Athletic Director at MTSU, talking Title IX today and how far uh, women's sports has come in uh, leaps and bounds in college athletics over the last uh, 50 years. This portion of All Sports Talk has been brought to you by First Bank, where the bank remains true to its ideals since founded in 1906. That's First Bank. We'll take a break and be right back. Dr. Craig McCabe. Brighten up your face and make yourself look 10 years younger. Call McCabe Vision Center. 
McCabe Vision Center on Heritage Park Drive, just off Memorial, behind SunTrust Bank. Get rid of brown splotches, red marks on our face, as well as fine lines and wrinkles. Look 10 years younger, call McCabe Vision Center. On Heritage Park Drive, behind SunTrust Bank. You know, everyone has a more. First, it's a pony. Then to be on the cheer squad. Your more grows up just like you do. But your more can still carry you away or make you cheer. At First Bank, banking local gets you more. More of our time, more access to local bankers, more flexibility, and more product choices. Because getting more empowered and confident helps you pursue your more. That never grows old. First Bank. Bank local. Get more. Member FDIC. In Rutherford County, you know how much it means to have neighbors you can count on. I'm State Farm Agent Andy Wama, here to help life go right when you combine home and auto insurance. Call me today at 615-890-0850 and let me save you money and time. Your home, your auto, together they're where life happens. I'm State Farm Agent Andy Wama. It's smart to protect them together to help life go right. Give me a call at 615-890-0850 and let me help you save by combining your home and auto. Hello friends, Lenny Farmer with Jennings and Ayers Funeral Home. More than I can count, we have taken care of families who were totally caught off guard with the passing of a loved one. There are so many details to tie up, it really can be overwhelming. Again, more than I can count are the comments from families who have pre-planned and pre-funded their or their loved one's funeral saying, it would have been a financial hardship had we not. Let me help you pre-plan. Call me at 615-893-2422. All Sports Talk on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Welcome back in to All Sports Talk. Diane Turnham joining us today. Uh, Coach, you um, there's so many topics you can jump back and forth on I you know um I remember uh the women's games uh when the women started playing they played before the men and um I guess the games will start at five o'clock or four thirty and then you'd get some stragglers coming in you know before the men's games and then right and and, and that and I remember watching this was obviously pre-ESPN when you know you can you can sit in the recliner all day and watch college basketball from 11 to midnight now. You just pick your channel, you know. And I remember uh, the men's game would be over and they would be interviewing the coach and the star player and the women were going through their warm-ups. They played after the men. Right. And so <laughs> obviously everybody left, you know. So – in terms of crowds, the growing of the game. And I think, you know, I mean, let's face it, you had old school men and and they, they just scoffed at the idea that women could play basketball five on five to begin with, you know. And um right. and and now for people who enjoy basketball, I like watching the women's game. I know a lot of people like watching the women's game where that wasn't the once you get exposed to it and watch it, and you know, and and softball's a great example. I think most men, and as much as I love the College World Series, I love watching that softball. It's a fast game, and it's amazing what those girls can do. You know, I think that's so true, Monty. You know, uh, coaching basketball, we always said, hey, given the same opportunities 
we can produce uh, an entertaining event. It may not be exactly like the men's game, but it's a different version, and it's an exciting version. Uh, back in those early years when, when you saw Tennessee, uh, you know, develop uh, some of their top teams and they're going to the NCAA tournament every year, uh, those were great times and those were some great women's programs to watch. Uh, and so, you know, we always said given the right resources, we could hold our own. And I think uh, nobody did that better than Pathead Summit, who, you know, averaged some uh, incredible crowds. Uh, back in the 70s and early 80s, and then you you add softball, and I agree with you. What an exciting sport! Uh, they hit the ball more. You know, baseball is a great game. America's pastime. Nobody is debating that. But the women's game is a little faster. You can use pitchers more often because of the arm motion. Uh, you can see a top pitcher every day, and you see the the women hit a lot of balls. If you if you watch the college. Uh, World Series or softball series this year, you you watch some incredible softball. So, you know, once again, it's not exactly the same game as baseball, but it's it's uh, a great way uh, for people to enjoy the game and and see it. And it's become one of the the uh, you know most watched on ESPN. I think they'll tell you how much it's grown the last couple of years, and it's exciting to see. Um. How educated do you think today's female college athletes are on what Title IX is? <laughs> or do they just you know, or do they take do they take their opportunities they have for granted now? Which you can't blame them. I mean, that's all they've known now. Well, you know, Monty, I I don't want to say oh they've taken it for granted. I I don't I don't think necessarily. They do, and yet you're right. They don't know what they did not have in the last 50 years. Um, they've always been afforded the opportunity to participate in sports. I mean, I remember when I was at Mount Juliet, we never had youth basketball leagues. You know, Larry Joe made each of us take a team, and, and we got in the community, and we started junior pro basketball. Well, most young women today don't remember a time they didn't have club sports or junior pro uh, and those things. And so I think anytime you've had it for a long time, you kind of forget that uh, it is uh, a privilege to play those sports. It's not necessarily your right because we did not have that right back then. Now uh, it's a privilege. And, and I, I think that about college athletics as a whole, but I, I don't ever want people to take it for granted, but, the way the NCAA has changed, I mean, once upon a time, getting a college scholarship was the ultimate goal. And, and now with the uh, NILs, the name, image, and likeness, uh, and all the different things, the transfer portal, I think, sadly, sometimes a lot of our athletes do take some things for granted that, because they think they've always had those things available. And, and you know, the sad reality is only 50 years ago, many of us did not have that opportunity, and we should continue to appreciate it and take advantage of it. And, you know, um, aspiring coaches are getting more opportunity. I mean, you know, for years, uh, you know, in the men's game, it looked like a Fortune 500 company over there, <laughs> nine guys dressed in suits, and then in college, you just see two guys over there. Right. Or a guy and a man or, or, or whatever the case. So it's created more opportunities 
for women to coach, maybe not at the collegiate level, but certainly the high school level. And, uh, you know, if you follow basketball in the mid-state, there is a lot of uh, overriding more. um, I mean, there's still men's coaches, but there's a lot of women's coaches now. You know, the the opportunities are endless, uh, and that's an exciting thing. Um, It's kind of crazy because I never thought I would set out to be a college coach, and and one thing led to another, and I got some opportunities that I never dreamed of. Uh, You know, when I mentioned uh, earlier that I was brought here to coach basketball with Coach Larry Joe Inman, and I was told I was going to coach volleyball, I was the only coach. I was the head coach, the assistant coach, the bus driver, the manager, you name it. I did it all for volleyball. And, you know, the whole time I coached, I felt like these young ladies deserved more. But I was all they had at the time. And it was so exciting to see them come in and be able to get scholarships and to participate. And, you know, when I looked at my male counterparts, uh, Coach Ramrod Simpson was coaching the men back then. I believe he had three full-time assistants, and they all made quite a bit more money than I did, and they only coached one sport. But you know what? I was so excited for the opportunity. I didn't care. I just wanted to be able to coach those two teams to the very best of my ability and to develop opportunities for them to get their education. Uh, we always talked about how important that education would be uh, to allow them to support themselves for the rest of their lives. And, and I look back now and see some of the athletes that, that came in and, and went with me through that process and, and to see the success they've had as a result of their college scholarship is still phenomenal. And that's something I'm probably the most proud of when I look back at my career there at MTSU. I was going to say now, when you first started, you were wearing – all kinds of hats and making big, big, you were making big time bucks, weren't you? Oh, yeah, I I was. I I was probably making about a third of one of the assistants that uh, the men's basketball team had. Uh, But I was young and crazy and didn't know the difference and was living the dream, uh, you know, coaching two sports and also teaching a a part-time teaching level. I came in early. I got some travel and recruiting done. I taught two or three classes. I took off to uh, women's basketball practice from 1.30 to 3.30. From 3.30 to 5.30, I went over to the old gym, and we practiced a little volleyball. And then at night, I came back to use the old watch line to do a little recruiting, or I was driving somewhere to watch people play. And so my day was from about 6 a.m. to midnight, but I didn't know the difference. I just, you know, I was so happy for that opportunity uh, that that I would have done anything to do that. Uh, Then I found out a little bit about salaries and opportunities. So, you know, we started fighting a little bit harder for opportunities, not only for our student-athletes but for our coaches because, you know, just looking at the men and them having four people on the floor to coach them and us only having two uh, and there were times I was away with the volleyball team. So, you know, Larry Joe was excited to have the first full-time assistant, and I was excited about that. But still, I wasn't really full-time because I was coaching a, another sport. So uh, things have evolved greatly. I, I look at the coaching staffs today, and, and in almost every situation, uh, you know, they have um, a head coach and three full-time assistants and a director of operations. And so, yeah, there's a lot of suits sitting over there on the bench. <laughs> sure are. You're listening to All Sports Talk, Diane Turnham. Join us today. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. And Chip Walters will join us with the Blue Raider Insider Report. 
If you're not waking up to the Wake Up Crew, here's what you've been missing. But it's not like falling off Mount Everest or something. <laughs> Don't miss the Wake Up Crew with John, Brian, and Dalton. <laughs> the guy's still falling. Weekday mornings from 6 until Swap and Shop. Good afternoon. Heavy as expected. 24 East coming in from Davidson County through Rutherford County. Lots of radar through Rutherford and Coffee County this afternoon, especially up around the Manchester area. Hey, with a huge demand for dental assistance, Dental Staff School will train you. Google Dental Staff School. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. When severe weather strikes, we break in. Tornado warning for central Rutherford County. Our own meteorologist giving you a complete Rutherford County forecast. So you should be in shelter already. In there is no safer place in the storm. News Radio WGNS. Your ride, your stuff. You live with them together. I'm State Farm Agent Bud Morris. It's smart to protect them together to help life go right. Give me a call at 615-893-1417. And let me help you save by combining your auto and renters. Your home, your auto, together, they're where life happens. I'm State Farm Agent Bud Morris. It's smart to protect them together. Give me a call at 615-893-1417. And let me help you save by combining your home and auto. Whether you need general vehicle upkeep and maintenance or a complete vehicle overhaul, Hall's Auto Care is here for you. We're locally owned and operated by Greg Hall and have been in business since 2014. You'll get excellent service and trustworthy advice with Hall's Auto Care. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. We're ready to help get you safely on the road. Hall's Auto Care, 907 Ridgely Road, just off Broad Street behind Chili's. Online at hallsautocare.net. Hall's Auto Care. It's time. Show your true blue. Blue Raiders. It's time for the Blue Raider Insider Report with Chip Walters. Sponsored by Mike Tanzel with My Team Insurance, Steve Rucker and RAI Advisors, and Wayne Blair with Rayburn Insurance. Go Blue Raiders. When you think insurance, think Wayne Blair with Rayburn Insurance 200 South Lowry in Smyrna. Rayburn is an independent agency, so Wayne will shop multiple national companies to make your best insurance deal. It's personal with Wayne, whether working in community, schools, or insurance. Trust Wayne Blair, your full-service insurance agent. 390-8476. Wayne Blair, Rayburn Insurance. 390-8476. All sports talk on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and it has been a travel day for Blue Raider football as they have headed to the Centennial State for the first time ever in the 108 years of Middle Tennessee football. The Raiders, of course, take on Colorado State tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central Time at Canvas Stadium, which is a beautiful facility there on the CSU campus. This will mark just the seventh game for the Blue Raiders against a current member of the Mountain West Conference. The Blue Raiders are 2-4 and four in those games, with the most recent outing coming in the 2016 Hawaii Bowl against the Rainbow Warriors. 
Middle Tennessee coming off a 44-7 loss to James Madison. The Blue Raiders looking to bounce back, get better line play up front. And if that happens, both the run and the pass should be much better this this week. The Rams, under new head coach Jay Norvell, uh, have a ton of players that have entered their program through the transfer portal. But they were losers last week by a score of 51-7 at the Big House in Ann Arbor against the eighth-ranked Michigan Wolverines. Again, our broadcast tomorrow will begin at 1.30 Central Time with the countdown to kickoff and kickoff set for 3 o'clock Central from Canvas Stadium. Hope you'll join us for the broadcast. If you are out of range of WGNS tomorrow, you can always pick us up on the Varsity Network app. If you've not downloaded that, you certainly need to do it. It is one of the best ways to keep up with the Blue Raider Network. Around the conference tomorrow, UTSA goes on the road to take on West Point. That'll be an interesting matchup. 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff uh, on the banks of the Hudson River. Maryland plays at Charlotte tomorrow. The 0-2 Charlotte Ball Club uh, facing an ACC team at home. Of course, middle at Colorado. That is a 3 o'clock Central start. Then at 5 o'clock, interesting game here. UAB will be at Liberty and that game on ESPN+. Plus. Southeast Louisiana will be at Florida Atlantic at 5 o'clock. At 6 p.m., FIU goes to Texas State in San Marcos. Stephen F. Austin plays at Louisiana Tech. McNeese plays at Rice. Texas Southern at North Texas. And UTEP will be hosting future Conference USA member New Mexico State. That'll be an 8 p.m. Central Time uh, kickoff at the Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas. So after playing a lot of games on the road, a lot of league teams are getting back home this week, but the Blue Raiders have to wait yet another week before they're able to play at home. The home opener next Saturday, the 17th, against Tennessee State here at uh, Floyd Stadium. All right, women's volleyball. Their uh, home opener was earlier today as the Blue Raider Invitational is underway. The Blue Raiders faced Grambling at 11 a.m. this morning, and then tonight at 6.30, it will be Belmont. And then tomorrow, UT Martin at 1.30. The Blue Raiders host three other matches this weekend, and all the info can be found on GoBlueRaiders.com as all of those teams will be playing each other. Middle Tennessee at 5-2, and two, off to a good start after a big win on the road this past midweek uh, at Eastern Kentucky. All right, soccer. Middle Tennessee fell to Tennessee Tech 3-1 to one Thursday night at the Dean Hayes Track and Soccer Stadium. The Blue Raiders' two-game win streak came to an end while the Golden Eagles improved to 2-3-2 two, two in a tightly contested first half, which featured six shots for both teams and impressive goalkeeping. Tennessee Tech scored in the 17th minute for the lone first-half goal and went on to win it by a margin of 3-1. to one. Up next for the Blue Raiders, they wrap up the weekend Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock against Vanderbilt. That will be at the Dean Hayes Stadium. Hope to see you there on Sunday afternoon for middle soccer against Vandy. All right, that's it for this Friday. Have a great weekend. Join us on the Blue Raider Network tomorrow. Kick off 3 o'clock, middle in Colorado State, right here. Chip Walters here with Exit Realty, Bob Lamb and Associates. I was named a top 10 agent in the number one Exit Realty office in America in 2021. The top question I get around town, how's the market? Eh, good question. And the answers changed a few times this year alone. 
I'd like to know what you've heard and share some solid data we have. Give me a call and let's have a cup of coffee and take a look at what's happening in your neighborhood. All my contact info is right on my website, juicechip.net. I'm Chip Walters with Exit Realty, Bob Lamb and Associates. All sports talk on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Welcome back to All Sports Talk. Diane Turnham, Senior Associate Athletic Director at MTSU, join us today. We're talking Title IX and women's opportunities uh, and sports. You know, I, I heard this back in the, you know, empathy days where, you know, let's face it, some, a lot of men are kind of chauvinist about things. And, and, <laughs> and um, just to put it, try to put it as politely as I can, well, they don't need to. Why do you got to fund volleyball? You know, that's not even a revenue-producing sport. And I said, well, neither is men's golf. It's the law. You know, <laughs> it's like the law. It, it's kind of like, it's kind of like I was telling a guy the other day. He goes, well, NCAA is not going to put up with this NIL stuff. I said they don't have no choice. They got beat nine to nothing in, uh, uh, in front of the Supreme Court. That's a blowout. You know, they're just going to have to find some way to deal with it. You know, so. And that's what, you know, men, they, like I said, they've had to come to um, uh, accept it. And then I would always tell them, I'm going to say, if you had a girl, you wouldn't feel that way that played athletics and she could get, right. a, and she could get a scholarship. So don't be, don't be so quick to, to dog it. Exactly. You know, I, I think that's the, the one thing that everyone uh, can understand uh, is when you have those daughters and they didn't have the same opportunities to earn a scholarship, uh, you know, you're like, wow, you know, my daughter's very talented, uh, but she can't play at the collegiate level. And having two daughters of your own, you know exactly what we're talking about. You know, I always cut up and say, you know, Chris Massaro's been a great boss because he's got four children, two of them are daughters and a, a very strong-willed wife. So, uh, I don't have to talk too hard about Title IX because he understands it very clearly. And, and both of his daughters were uh, going through college on swim scholarships. And, and so when you think about uh, equality and the ability to earn your way to um, pay for your college uh, education, it, it was just something that needed to happen. It took a little bit longer than we all thought it should. But it's incredible now to see all of the different scholarship opportunities available for women in so many more sports than ever before. Uh, so it, it's an exciting time, and uh, it's sad, and yet I'm grateful that sometimes our, our athletes today don't understand the total significance because they haven't been without uh, during their college experience. But uh, you just hope they know that a, a lot of women you know, worked very hard to pave that way for them to have the opportunities that they have today to to play in the WNBA, to play overseas, to officiate women's basketball, to coach women's basketball. There are so many more activities uh, for them to participate in it and to develop a career. And, and I know I have benefited greatly, and, and I uh, am very grateful for the opportunities that I had at Middle Tennessee State University to uh, enhance my career and hopefully – influence some of the careers of a lot of our student athletes um dan uh, we've obviously come a long way um still work to be done though i know 
the women's soccer team is finally up to pay with the men. I know, I, I think it is in tennis now. You know, their excuse in tennis for all those years, well, uh, the women only play two out of three sets. Right. <laughs> you know, they're always coming up with an excuse. But what are some areas that we still got work to do and room to grow? You, you know, Monty, uh, uh, people love to compare salaries, and obviously that that's an area uh, it's gotten much better, but obviously in the professional ranks, there are still some huge differences. Uh, we, and, and I understand sponsorships and I understand uh, all sorts of things, but you know, um, while a lot of the women's WNBA players do well, uh, they're not anywhere near their male counterparts. Um, and there are still a lot of discrepancies in coaching salaries. They don't get me wrong. They have, significantly improved but there are still a lot of uh major differences in salary there are a few that are very similar but the majority uh of the people who coach on the college level their their men's programs and their women's programs still make uh, much different salaries so that that's one way we could always work to improve um how big was the dawn staley contract though at south carolina you know, uh, that's big. That's exciting, you know. Uh, and as soon as you see those sorts of things, uh, she's had incredible success at every level of the game. And uh, I don't think anyone can deny how hard she's worked and uh, the significance that she's had there at the University of South Carolina and as a part of uh, Team USA. Um, and, and so that's exciting to see. Uh, and then I, I pick up after I see the salary that that she uh, was able to negotiate. You turn right around and, and you see that a, a pro team is looking at her. Uh, so I think you know there are still going to be more opportunities. You just have started seeing some women cross over to the men's ranks. I said for a lot of years that there's no doubt in my mind that Pat Head Summit could not coach any male team in America because she had personality and. And Dawn's probably one of those people, too. So, uh, you, you know, you saw Bernadette Locke at Kentucky many years ago. Rick Pitino hired her. Uh, and, and, and I can tell you, she was invaluable recruiting and coaching. Uh, so those are some other opportunities that I think you're going to continue to see where women cross over and coach their male counterparts. Diane Turnham joining us today. Uh, we'll take our last break of the show and be right back. The Ducks are coming back to the Borough Beach. The Great Duck Chase will be held Saturday, September 17th at 10 a.m. The Great Chase passionately helps local families whose children are battling life-limiting illnesses. Adopt a duck and help a child. It's a fun-filled family event. Visit thegreatchase.org to adopt your ducks today. Good afternoon. Heavy as expected. 24 East coming here from Davidson County through Rutherford County. Lots of radar through Rutherford and Coffee County this afternoon, especially up around the Manchester area. Hey, with a huge demand for dental assistance, Dental Staff School will train you. Google Dental Staff School. I'm Commander. Andrew Chuck, you're on time traffic. We do it your way at Sir Pizza. You can order Murphy Sproul's favorite pizza online. SirPizzaTN.com. Carry out and delivery for dinner tonight at SirPizzaTN.com. At Creekside Assisted Living of Murfreesboro, we provide excellence in service while maintaining the dignity of our residents in a home-like atmosphere. Come see our new community, which includes bistros, salons, a library, and spacious activity areas. 
A kind, friendly, and well-trained staff can help residents with the daily activities of life. Locally owned by Blue Raider alumni Tim Keach and Ken Ayer. Find out more about Creekside Assisted Living, 895-3002, or online at www.creeksideassistedliving.com. Parks Auction. We handle everything. You have a staff that comes to your home. They tell you what to do. They walk you through it. It's been my experience that what I thought I should get for my home, I got much more for it. Visit our website at parksauction.com. Parks Auction, 896-4600. Stan Vaught and the Parks Auction team are proud supporters of local high school and MTSU sports. All sports talk on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Welcome back to All Sports Talk. Joined today by Diane Turnham, MTSU's Senior Associate Athletic athletic director um talking title nine today first of all this portion of the show also brought to you by first bank locations in the borough woodbury nashville and 46 others across the state that's first bank all right diane when did you decide you want to get into the administration end of athletics you mentioned you were the um chair of the volleyball committee um most recently the chair of the women's basketball committee so you know you had to answer tough questions and all that but how did you decide to get involved in that you know monty it's funny um those people who know me i I majored in elementary education i was going to be a uh elementary school teacher but larry joe brought me here uh i started working in college athletics uh i i saw uh, my volleyball team and some of the things they needed. I was so excited about coaching basketball. And I really never intended to stay more than maybe four or five years, but it got in my blood. And the more I coached and the more I saw the need for more opportunities for women, I, I just knew that I wanted to make a difference somehow. Uh, there at MPSU and across our, our, our city, our state, our nation, uh, and, and I think a lot of women felt that way. Uh, so, uh, you know, when the NCAA mandated a senior woman's administrator, uh, you know, I, I was uh, selected by Coach John Stanford to, to be one. Didn't have a lot of responsibilities then. I just had a title and I attended meetings, but I started to learn more about the administrative side. And I realized I wanted to get into that field. And it was a relatively new field. And I knew I wanted to be a part of that. Uh, I never really set out to be a college coach, and I never really set out to be an athletic administrator. But, you know, sometimes God has a completely different plan than the one you have, and he brought me to middle. And, you know, in August I will be finishing my 40th year, and those have been some of the best years of my life. I've enjoyed uh, helping make better opportunities for hopefully all of our athletes, but especially our female athletes. And, And that's just... Uh, it's been a huge honor to be a part of all of that there at MTSU. And, and I want to thank the administration because they've always been behind us. They might not have agreed with everything, but, you know, they've always supported us. And so, you know, uh, Dr. James Walker, who was president before Dr. McPhee, developed a program for uh, 
faculty members to get administrative experience and because I still had to teach some classes I applied for an internship and I got to work with the only female vice president we had back then Dr. Ann Deming and she was over development and I learned so much for her I applied for her internship and I worked in the mornings in her office and then went back and did my coaching duties in that the afternoon and evening and I learned so much about uh, what what we can do to affect the university and make it a better place and and just knowing some of the female athletes we have brought into our institution and and their success uh it it makes me so proud to know that uh you know hopefully our educational programs were enhanced by some of the students that we brought to be a part of our university you know i'll put in one plug the uh, chair of uh, media and entertainment is Beverly Kill, and she played on my first volleyball team. And, uh, you know, she was uh, unable to go to Columbia because her father passed away suddenly when she was a senior in high school. And all of a sudden, she had to come to Middle Tennessee, and she needed a place to make her mark. And she saw a sign that said volleyball tryouts, and she walked in, and the rest is history. And now she's over the head. She's head of the media entertainment department, and I could not be more excited and more proud of her. That's good stuff. Let me ask you this. I know we've talked about your role when you were the uh, chairman of the Women's Basketball Selection Committee. What was it like for you when you sat down and met for that first time on that weekend and you're running the show? You know, uh, you run the show for the whole year, and so uh, I had been uh, conducting the meetings uh, since the summer uh, and I had a great group of individuals to work with. No one just clearly understands how many hours you put in uh, on kind of an honorary committee. But uh, you, you guys saw me sitting on the sidelines watching three or four games at a time. We watched hundreds of ball games and all became very proficient with certain conferences so that we could speak to them. And and so all year long, uh, it was one of the greatest thrills of my life to be able to work to enhance women's basketball. We worked with ESPN to get greater and greater uh, TV coverage. And now being able to see every single game is a huge accomplishment, uh, something we're very excited about. Uh, but going into that meeting, it was the oddest feeling you've ever had. Uh, a, a fellow committee member and I and I actually met in Charlotte and were flying on to Indy. And as we were boarding the plane from Charlotte to Indy, we heard, number one, that, that conferences were starting to shut down their conference tournament. And, and that was a sick feeling. Uh, our women were about to run on the floor to participate when they came and took them off and said the, the tournament's canceled. And so we knew that there were going to be some strange times. We never dreamed that they would cancel the entire tournament. Uh, but we had a meeting that Thursday afternoon, March 12th, uh, with the NCAA starting at 3.30, and they called and asked us to come in early, and it was a sick feeling. You knew that wasn't good news, and, and basically all they said is, you know, we don't, you know, the NCAA has made the decision to cancel the men's and women's tournament, and, and we were just blown away. You just had this sick, empty feeling, and, and I can't imagine how the athletes felt because we were so disappointed because, you know, we already had scenarios of who we thought might make it to the Final Four and who might be the eventual national champion, and all of a sudden you knew none of that was going to happen. So 
it was one of the hardest days of our lives, and, and I know that it was for athletes as well. And, and they told us we could fly home that afternoon. You know, they were sorry we had to come all that way, and we couldn't even force ourselves to fly home. We waited till the next day because it was just hard. You know, you had worked so hard all year long to make sure you knew who you felt the top teams were, and and so it was just it was a very difficult time. No one ever sat around the table and said. You know what would happen if we had a pandemic and so a lot of people had to act very quickly and the, the ncaa did that and we certainly we respected that but it was a very difficult time before we let you go would be remiss not to mention that um mtsu um out of i think there's 351 universities at the division one level now mtsu finishes 98th in the learfield um, um sports cup and uh, the highest finishing team in Conference USA. So that means you guys are getting it done across the sport, across the board in a lot of sports this year. You know, Monty, that's probably the most exciting thing. We don't dominate in just one sport. We feel that we have a, a wide variety of coaches that do a great job in all of our sports. Uh, you know, and we don't have as many sports as a lot of programs do. So that makes it even more exciting to know we finished higher than uh, any Middle Tennessee State University team has ever finished. Uh, you know, our, our track programs have always been incredible with national competition, our women's basketball, our men's basketball, uh, you know, in, in every area. You look at men's tennis and how well they did being a top 16 seed this year. Uh, it's a great time to be a Blue Raider, and we would encourage all of our fans there in Murfreesboro and the surrounding area to come out and support these athletes. You're going to see a quality product uh, and you're not going to have to spend an arm and a leg. We like to say we're a great economic value for the families there in Murfreesboro and you get to know some pretty incredible people. You know, we, we think our athletes, while they're not perfect, they're great role models for your children and we'd encourage you to come out and find out. We don't like being the best-kept secret in Rutherford County, so everyone needs to come out and watch all of our teams play. Well said. As always, the hour flies by, Diane, but we sure appreciate you joining us today. Well, it has been great. I always love talking with you, Monty, and anytime you want to invite me back, I'll be happy to do it. Okay, have a great day. You too, Monty. Thanks. That's Diane Turnham joining us today. She's always great and gracious to join us. And uh, uh, good stuff. And she's lived through the Title IX and everything. So, And watch things get a whole lot better. All right, everybody have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you next time. All Sports Talk on News Radio. WGNS has been brought to you by State Farm Agents Andy Womack, Bud Morris, and Deb Ensel. Chip Walters with Exit Realty, Bob Lamb and Associates. First Bank, Mike Tanzel with My Team Insurance. Parks Auction Company, Greg Hall with Hall's Auto Care. Steve Ruckert with RAI Advisors. Jennings and Ayers Funeral Home. Creekside at Three Rivers Assisted Living. And Wayne Blair with Rayburn Insurance.
Celebrating Small Farms at Tennessee State University. Hello and welcome to Tennessee Home and Farm Radio. I'm Thomas Caps. Well, a tornado and a pandemic haunted the annual Small Farm Expo at Tennessee State University for the last two years. But this year it was back in person and in full force. For the 18th time, people in the ag community gathered at TSU's Educational Farm on Thursday to learn about advancements in key areas in agriculture. Dean of TSU College of Agriculture, Dr. Chandra Reddy, says it's great to be back. 97% of Tennessee farms, farmers are small farms. The, the main purpose of all of this is to get the innovative ideas. Some of the farmers are developing their own ideas, how to produce uh, better or how to market better. We want to recognize that innovation and also share those new ideas to all of the others. TSU President Dr. Glenda Glover says having this field day is a true asset to agriculture across the state. TSU is proud to be the leader among HBCUs and in the larger community, educational community, regarding our role in advancing agricultural education. We know the importance of small farms in the United States. And of course, small farmers were recognized for the hard work and dedication on their farms and within the ag industry as a whole. Caroline Holt is this year's Small Farmer of the Year. She and her husband raised beef cattle in Overton County. With a family and as a mom with three small kids, I guess this award to me is a testament for people who are able to show up however they're able to show up and give it their all no matter what they're doing. And for them to pick more of a supportive role as the the small farmer of the year, I think that shows a lot of people how important, you know, all these jobs on the farm is. A farm is not just, you know, we raise cattle and it's not just taking care of your cattle every day. There's there's a lot that goes into it. Small farms that play a big role in helping feed the world. For Tennessee Home and Farm Radio, I'm Thomas Camps. Johns Hopkins. I'm Elizabeth Tracy. A 77% increase in type 2 diabetes among American young people has been seen during the pandemic. Johns Hopkins pediatric endocrinology expert Sheila Muggay and colleagues report. Muggay says while obesity and sedentary lifestyle are clearly involved, so are social factors. Youth onset diabetes is related to many social determinants of health. A lot of these kids were already marginalized, having a lot of both psychosocial stressors, economic stressors, and were disproportionately affected from the pandemic. So these kids had more food insecurity, had a lot of different issues going on. Is everything going to be reversed as the pandemic eases up? It's hard to know. Muggay says validating that type 2 diabetes is increasing in kids around the country will allow experts to develop a multifaceted approach to address it, including policy changes and provide social support. At Johns Hopkins, I'm Elizabeth Tracy. And that is only one of the qualities that A.G. Laffley showed in turning around Procter & Gamble. Twice in his first 10-year run as CEO, P&G went from having $10 billion brands to 24 then he retired and Procter started losing its way again. So he came back after three years in 2013 and pulled off a second turnaround. Roger Martin, as a former management consultant to Procter and co-author with A.G. Laffley of one of the best books ever written about being a CEO entitled Play to Win, recently told me about the time Laffley hired a new young president for P&G's Pampers brand with a direct assignment to win back market share from Kimberly Clark. As you're thinking it through, just come back and talk to me kind of anytime. Never hesitate. You don't have to come back to me with the all singing, all dancing final answer. And his people just loved him for that. He saw his job as helping them, not organizing them, giving them orders. Of course, he had to do all those things too, but that wasn't it. 
Roger Martin's latest great business book is entitled A New Way to Think. 